Bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Grand slash. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 135 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland, and joined as always by, oh, you guessed it. George. <laughs> Always George. <laughs> what's uh, up, can, man? What's going on? You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. George is at Roto underscore Nino. And it's us tonight talking third base. We're going to actually change up a little bit. Usually we do a ADP from December 1st, but because we have so many drafts rolling in, we're going to alter that and we're going to do just ADP over the last 30 days. So just a little more relevant, a little more up to date. And we're going to talk about the first 12. To, George wants to talk about the first 15. We'll see if time permits, but we're going to talk about at least the first 12 discuss who we like who we don't like at their cost all that good stuff and then give you guys a couple names outside that top 12 or 15 that we uh like a little more than others so before we get into that though george how you doing i'm doing good man we're you know right in the middle of these position previews and full swing of things uh so man i'm just excited to get baseball rolling again we got maybe like what uh, a couple weeks until players start reporting we're starting to get a little bit of traction and free agency the hot stove is is burning so it's excited it is and we're gonna get to news and notes but as of this podcast as of it's it is january 19th 10 12 p.m eastern standard time and i haven't seen the george springer news officially break but it sounds like there's a lot of people talking about him going to the blue jays they yeah, finally might have won there they might have finally not come in second for a player and honestly that's a great get that's a young team with a great young lineup and bringing him in all that does is give them some veteran leadership and a solid top of the order bat what are your initial thoughts on that assuming that this happens again we are going to talk about it as if it does just in case it does overnight because this podcast right. will be out first thing in the morning but um initial thoughts on that yeah so i mean it seems like they're the front runners right now so i mean if that happens then um it, i mean you got to think that it, it pretty much secures uh, Vlad at third base and Telez at, at first base. And then maybe maybe it hurts someone like Alejandro Kirk. He would lose at-bats at DH, but I mean, he could still... I know he's in the running for the ca- uh, primary catcher job, but it would certainly help that lineup just all around for sure. I also wonder if that would mean Kevin Biggio moving off of uh, the leadoff spot. You know, so where does, uh, you know, someone like Kevin Biggio who... Really good OBP, uh, you know, not a very good average. Maybe he's someone that slides down to ninth. I almost like I would like to see Biggio stay there and have Springer hit second behind him because Springer is really good at uh, pushing for RBIs even on top of a lineup. So I think I think getting Biggio on base ahead of him would still play to that, like to Springer being a good hitter and Springer himself, obviously with his on base skills and his overall uh, contact tool and all that. I think he'll. If at the very least get two on but if yes yeah, somebody's about to be, be affected is vlad getting dropped right now ross resource has vlad hitting fifth does vlad hit sixth now does teoscar hit sixth now somebody is going to lose out and you mentioned uh, alejandro kirk he is run, like he is in the running for the starting catcher spot but if he doesn't get it then he's out obviously he gets squeezed grandall probably goes over to where where does grandall go grandall is their center fielder does oh, he go uh, gritchick Oh, sorry, yeah, I keep calling, oh, I can't, why does he call him Grandall? Wow. Grichik. <laughs> Where does Grichik go? Grichik goes, you know, from center field to what, left field maybe? Does Guriel DH? Does, like, this causes a lot of I interest think, uh, in movement. Yeah, I think it probably would be Teoscar DHing, uh, going back to, to DH. Uh, Grichik moving to right field, Springer in center, and Lourdes in, in left field. Yeah, either way. And Lourdes has had his injuries in the past, so this could be a way to rotate the outfielders in in through the DH as well. Exactly. G- giving them regular days off while keeping the bats in the lineup. So ultimately, this is a great get for the Blue Jays. But I am curious to see how it affects the top of the lineup because as it sits, it shows Biggio, Bichette, and Guriel, one, two, and three. Obviously, someone's getting bumped down. If not, all of them are getting bumped down one. It could be as simple as bump everybody down one. But I really think Biggio would be would flourish leading off still. Just insert Springer in that two spot and let the rest bump down. But then Vlad moving from fifth to sixth, even in this lineup, if he truly bats fifth or sixth, or sorry, sixth, that kind of hurts his value too. We're just speculating right now, you know. Um, but 
I, I'm not too sure. I mean, if he, if Vlad is hitting fifth, I'm not sure six is going to make a huge difference. But no, I, I just I, know I with every with every line of spot, you lose a certain amount of at bats, and it's like so. It does. It, it's not saying it's a huge difference, but it's definitely something worth noting when you're looking at Vlad in those middle rounds or those earlier rounds, and he's a six hole hitter, and you can have a couple guys that bat third, fourth, or fifth in their lineup. That could, you know, swing your opinion. Although I think Vlad, assuming he comes in and does well, he wouldn't stay batting that low that long either. You just right, gotta, yeah. You think about all that. There's a lot of factors. But regardless, I like this move. I think it's very interesting. And we can move on from there. But before we get into the rest of the news and notes, just a reminder to everyone that Bases Loaded is continuing to be part of the Rotoballer Radio Network as we collaborate with Rotoballer again for the 2021 season. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fan- fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Bases Loaded pod listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code Bases Loaded. That's Bases Loaded, all one word. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotoballer draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, and more than 300 2021 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED and get your draft kit today. Man, the fact that we're talking draft kits right now really excites me. But beyond that, you know what else excites me? The Blue Jays are making more moves. They signed Kirby Yates. You're the closer guy. I will let you talk this one real quick. Outlook on Kirby Yates in Toronto. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to imagine that he comes in and is the front runner for the closing job. I'm just not too sure how long that lasts. I mean, I, he, he did have uh, elbow surgery to remove some bone chips. We saw him struggle last year uh, trying to pitch through the injury. Uh, didn't work out so well. So I, I don't know. I, I think to me, I mean, if, if this presents any kind of discount for uh, Jordan Romano, uh, then I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'll take advantage of that. I, I mean, I'm just not sure, you know, is, is he healthy? And the way the contract is structured, it just looks like it's very incentivized. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Yates is certainly worth a, you know, uh, every closer is worth a pick. And so, if he starts off as the as a closer and Romano is setting up, then uh, you know who maybe you get maybe you're able to get both of them. But I I think that's how it's going to be going in. I'm just I'm just not too sure you know how long uh, Yates can hold up for. Ultimately, though, at least we have somebody who, in theory, is the closer. So that right. helps that helps make the closer pool a little more. Like I, I try I'm trying to spin this because the closer pool has been atrocious to this point there's so many uncertainties and i feel like at least kirby Yates, while healthy we know is the guy and that kind of just makes a huge difference you know what i mean yeah but regardless the next piece of news here is mitch hanniger should be full go for spring training i still think mitch hanniger has it in him man i mean i know it's been a while since we've seen him healthy but you know the mariners have a lot of young talent coming through the pipeline clinics coming up soon you have j-rod probably shortly after him hanniger's probably going to show out and be a trade piece come midseason for sure. And regardless, I think he starts all year. But Henninger is, I think, only, what, 29 years old even? He's not even that old. He just feels old. And yeah, he I, just turned 30. There it is. Yeah, I knew See, that's how you, that's how, I knew I looked at him recently. Um, he, so he just turned 30. He's obviously on the back end of his prime or in the middle of it. But still, I think there's something there. And I really like him. He's pretty cheap right now, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the thing is, I mean, he he's only played one full season. So, of course, I mean... He's coming back, but you also have to take that into account. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure he, you know, he could play a full season, but I mean, he, if he could stay healthy and he's worth a dart throw, he's, you know, going pretty late, I think just inside the top 300 in, in most drafts. So, um, I mean, definitely worth a dart throw for sure. I'm just wondering, again, if he could stay healthy, we've seen how good he could be and that lineup is not bad. He should hit the top of it too. I think Dylan Moore gets affected by all this stuff, man. And I keep moving him down my boards because there's already, I mean, if you read one of the mining news, there's already word of him kind of being moved around and not necessarily mm-hmm. guaranteed everyday playing time, although the bat deserves to be every day as long as he shows it. I guess spring training will matter. This is a team I'm going to be really, really interested in watching during my spring training stuff that I do in terms of lineup stuff. So there's a lot there, but it's just interesting. But another note is Andrew Benatendi could be on the move. They seem to be open to 
Uh, moving them in terms of they, I mean, the Red Sox. I, I'm not ready to give up on Andrew Benintendi, but I don't know if I want to draft him this year. I think from a real-life perspective, I think he still can do something. I just don't know how much he's going to bring to the fantasy table this year. I want to see what he brings in terms of like how he looks in spring training. If he's, you know, I heard he's, I think I read somewhere he lost some of his weight, some of that muscle and it was slowing him down. So if he could turn around and just start making more contact and being the guy he even was, there's some value to be had there, but got to see a little bit first. What do you think about Andrew Benintendi? Yeah, I'm actually, I, I like Benintendi and if he stays there in Boston, if he's still with the Red Sox, we did hear recently that, uh, you know, Alex Cora, uh, wants him to run more, wants him to be more aggressive and uh, on the Bates paths, get back to running. Uh, maybe we could see, you know, the 20 stolen base days back for uh, for Benintendi. So I don't know. I, I kind of like him as a, a bit of a bounce back. Is it really hard to believe that he can do 12 and 15 and, and hit 260 in the process? Like that's nothing special, but where you're getting on those stolen bases could be huge. And yeah, for he's sure. He's not going to lead off anymore, though. I, I think that's Verdugo's job. So he might hit yeah. six or so. So again, that kind of limits the upside, but We've seen him do what 2015 type seasons before, so I'm not saying that's I mean, what he'll do, but yeah, I mean he's got a 2020 season, you know, in 2017, uh, 16, 21, and 2018 with a really good average. I mean, he he was, you know, he has a pedigree, was yeah. one of the top prospects in baseball. So, uh, you know, uh, he, he's only 26 himself. I mean, so I yeah, I, I still I, I like Benintendi. I like where he's going, and um we'll see if he ends up being traded i know like the marlins are are rumored to be in on benintendi uh they're looking for an outfielder i'll take him i'll take him as, as a marlins fan i would love to see and yeah it'd be it, it's a cool it's like because he's still young and i don't think he's entered his prime yet there's still a way to fix everything he's shown it before i think we're just so like us as a community fantasy and reality Recency bias is such a thing that we forget how good a player was and was supposed to be and could be. He's dealt with some injuries. He's dealt with some mechanical issues. I think he can easily bounce back. Nobody should be surprised if he does. And the ADP, I think it's worth taking a shot on occasion. Not saying somebody you have to universally roster, but definitely somebody that's worth considering, at least on a couple teams, just in case that like the bounce back happens. And if it doesn't, I still think he'll justify the, the, the ADP, though. Yeah. And the big move that happened, I didn't honestly write down all of it because a lot of it's prospects, but the main piece of this I wanted to discuss real quick was Joe Musgrove to San Diego. Preller has hinted at a possible six-man rotation. What are your thoughts on Musgrove to San Diego? Stock up, stock down, about the same? I'm always personally thinking it's actually closer to same than people want to realize. The Pirates just turned to a more analytically driven, you know, coaching staff. They were in one of the softest divisions. They are in one of the softest divisions in baseball right now with all the teams selling off big parts in that division. Musgrove didn't have a bad division. He had a good ballpark. Now he's going over to a good ballpark, a tougher division, better team context, but could be at a, could be in a six-man rotation. So I think there is a little give and take here, more than most people might even think right away. Yeah, I agree. I mean, initially, I w- I'm really excited for it. I mean, I, I think he's one of these guys who kind of just maybe he needed a change of scenery. Um, but I, I do think it's a it's a bit of a stock up for Musgrove. And yeah, you, you mentioned the the uh, six man rotation possibility. And I mean, who would be that sixth guy we're looking at? Maybe uh, Adrian Morahone, uh, Mackenzie Gore. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. Maybe they maybe it's someone else. But... Maybe they go out and trade for another one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who knows? They might not be done yet. Um but yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of a stock up for Musgrove. Uh, I, I did like uh, Morahone as a bit of a sleeper. I think maybe, you know, if he's he was going around pick 400 or so in drafts, he's probably going to fall a little bit further than that now. And I, I still like him as a bit of a sleeper. He has, you know, good strikeout stuff. And if we're really concerned about, you know, someone like Denelson Lament, then someone like Morahone could be pretty valuable, uh, you know, getting some spot starts here and there. They, they did... I did also read, I believe it was today or yesterday, that uh, it might have been Preller saying that pretty much they have to be considerate of of Lamette uh, and you know careful with his workload. They don't think they're going to be able to give him a full starters workload. So I mean, you know, other guys are going to need those innings. Does that you know is that going to be Mackenzie Gore? Does that you know again someone like Morahone? Can he can he be like maybe a piggyback situation might work for that? You know, for like Lamette and and more home because they both have sounds like a mess (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a mess that uh 
I don't want to deal with. And <sighs> Chris Paddock, right now, Roster Resource has Chris Paddock as their SP5. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know Paddock is the guy. So when I saw this trade instantly, I just, all I could think about was uh, something's got to be wrong with either Gore, maybe they don't see Paddock as a starter, or Lamette is injured. None of those, none of, none of that has been said publicly. We just know that well, Lamette ended the season with an injury, so we don't know if he's actually healthy to start the season. He couldn't even pitch in the playoffs. And usually for a player to not play in the playoff, playoffs is a big deal because most pitchers, most players will play even somewhat hurt if they could play. We saw Clevenger go out and pitch, and he needed Tommy John to, for reference. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you see that and a guy can't do it, that's concerning. Plus, he has the injury history. So I'm just curious to see how they handle it. And even if they do a six-man rotation, what, for a month maybe, until they pitchers start kind of easing their way in, maybe two months at most? I don't see it being a full-year thing, personally. I think it has, I think I see it as a way to ma- to provide maintenance to the pitcher more than, um, more than anything else, and yeah. l- at least for the short term. Last piece of news, though. John Lester to the Nationals. I have zero interest. I just thought it was worth noting because at least at least they made a move. Like because again, we're just <laughs> we just want baseball so bad that every little thing found I found interesting. But outside the deepest of formats, I can't picture being excited about John Lester. Yeah, no, I I just took him with my fiftieth pick, uh, my final pick in a in a draft champions league. Well, that's a per- well, you know that's funny because <laughs> he won't last that long going forward. His ADP right. will rise. He'll be he'll be around around thirty five or forty. Which again, this is the deepest of formats because you might have just landed yourself one hundred fifty innings off pretty much for free. Like whereas he might have got he might not have gotten drafted prior. I'm serious. And that deep of a format, you'll be surprised how much innings matter. They do, yeah, because, they of, do. because of injuries and such. So that wasn't that was a great pick actually. You just got crazy good value at the end. I can't believe I'm excited about your 50, 50th round pick. Uh, that's right. Yeah. For reference, <laughs> for reference, that could be as late as pick seven fifty in a draft. So that's where you got him. But hey, he's gonna get innings, and innings matter. And we've seen him out pitch his peripherals before. So you might be surprised. He might give you like a four two ERA and whatever like, like that's not terrible considering he was your last pick I, okay i gotta stop talking up your guys let's move on <laughs> to uh these third basemen shall we so again this is nfbc adp for the last 30 days so december 19th front till january 19th and the first one off the board shouldn't be a shocker or surprise to anybody is jose ramirez at an adp of 9.41 min picks of min pick of two but a max of 19 what a steal um Jose Ramirez what are your thoughts on him yeah I mean I think he's pretty clearly like in a tier of his own here at third base a guy that's gonna you know give you 30 20 um hit for a decent average he's you look at the plate discipline and he he's pretty safe I mean um yeah I think he's for sure far and away just the the number one third baseman I don't really have any concerns about you know his value dropping with Lindor leaving um I think that might be overblown so, no, I think uh, Ramirez is a fine pick in the top 10. I think it's going to matter if those young guys that they got to replace Lindor can help produce something around them. Because if you get people on base for Jose Ramirez, they're going to have to pitch to him. The problem is, is if he's constantly getting up to bat with nobody on base, Fran Mill isn't much like, you know, I feel like he's not much support behind him because we everyone knows that they can like Fran Mill has a lot of swing and miss to his game. So if you can just get him guessing you're good, but. He obviously he's some protection, but not enough by himself <laughs> is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? So I yeah. am a little, I do think there's a little concern, should be a little concern there because no lineup protection. We saw what that can do to a player. You know, we've seen Josh Bell literally not get pitched to essentially because he was the only guy really worth avoiding in that lineup. And Jose Ramirez is kind of getting to that point where he's the only guy to really avoid in that lineup, truly avoid. So heck, yeah. they might, I mean, I doubt they would load the bases for Franville Reyes, but there's a guy on first base. Why would they force pitches to Jose when they can just go to the next guy? Unless they're, unless, you know, that maybe I'm not giving enough respect to Franville Reyes. That's the problem. I just see so much swing and miss in that game. I know he can change the game in one swing, but he can also do nothing in a full at bat because he just whiffs too much. Anyway, but uh, we can, yeah, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to walk him all day, I would love to see him just steal 35, 40 bases. (laughs) That is true. So yeah, there's, see, look, there's a pro, there's pros and cons. The pro being the stone bases will go up. The cons being that the counting stats and stuff might come down. But hey, you want the steals. The rest you can make up as the draft goes. <laughs> his stone bases are really what carry a lot of his value in the first place. The next man up is Manny Machado at a, at an ADP of 21.36. He's the second third baseman off the board. Do you agree with that? 
I do. I, I agree with it because from this, you know, from this point on, you know, there's, he's pretty much the only other one uh, until you get really, you know, much later in the draft that can give you stolen bases. And so, you know, can he hit 30 home runs? Of course he can. Can he hit, you know, for a good average? Of course he can. Uh, so can the next five guys, but he's the only other one who can, you know, potentially give you a dozen steals. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind this spot at all for Machado. You know, you, you're getting him, you know, in the back end of the second round of, uh, you know, middle to back in the second round in uh, 15 teamers, possibly third round, you know, top of the third round in, in 12 teamers. So I, I like it. I like Machado. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. How do how do you feel? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually okay with the price. I know a lot of people are not, but I'm really good with this price. I like them a lot. I, we saw a career yeah. best strikeout rate uh, and walk rate this year. Granted again, calling something a career best in a 60 game season is a bit flawed, but again, at least seeing those changes occur is a positive thing. So my point is, is, even though these were technically career bests, I still like the you still like to see these trends happen no matter what sample size. Because if this was a strong second half to a season, we how many how many times do you take a strong second half and base someone's ADP based on the strong second half? And there were some changes to go with these. You know, yeah. you saw the uh, increase in the average launch angle and barrel rate. Both of those were kind of similar to his Camden days. So that's a that's a huge like, okay, wow, something something's clicking here. He also hit the second fewest ground balls of his career and pulled a career high 44.5% of the time. So you gotta you gotta think that he's producing power now, especially because he's pulling the ball more and getting the ball in the air. It's a, you know, that is always the the ingredients to getting more power. And of course, he also was more aggressive this year as he swung at 40.2% of his first pitches. So like, I think he was just jumping on early. I think he was jumping on pitches early because they say that some of that's usually some of, some of the times you get the best pitch or whatever. And then yeah. he just had a, a lot of changes I really liked in the profile, not to mention they run. You mentioned that about a dozen steals. That seems like a fair estimate because they like to run and he will get on base plenty. So I'm actually really in on Manny Machado and I think the price is very fair. It's similar to in, it's similarly in line with what he was prior to last year. People got the discount last year and think suddenly that this price isn't fair. But you have to remember he was going this high prior to the one down season, which was the first year of the mega deal that he struggled. The team gets better around him. The pitching staff gets better around him. He's just going to always have people on base for him. I don't see how he doesn't just continue where he left off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to hit three hundred. Um, especially if he's, you know, continuing to hit more fly balls and, and pulling the ball. But I, I think that Babbitt comes down a bit, but 275 and, you know, 35 homers, 10 to 12 steals. Yeah. I think that's well worth the pick. <laughs> that's a hundred percent worth it. And again, I'm okay. Cause yeah, obviously he's going to regress a little bit. Some of the stuff isn't sustainable. At least we've never seen him do it. And I doubt we're going to suddenly see him do it, but it's still worth noting. And it's, it's just, it's just, again, good and bad from this season. It's funny. Cause like, I'm trying like all this stuff, like you gotta be careful how you, write it and present it to people because you might be overselling people but then there's other people that have like bad years and you're over like you're over like you're overly concerned for no reason when really it could it's probably just because of the craziness of the season so it's like this is the year of like unlike any other when it comes to analysis some like 2020 means more to others that more to some than others honestly it does but with that said we can move on to the next guy in dj lemayhew coming off the board at 28.98 he re-signed with the Yankees, so you got to think the ADP is probably going to creep back up in that early second. Uh, well, second like right now he is technically in the second round of 15 teamers, but he'd be the third round of your of your 12 teamers and such. But first base, second base, third base eligible, ADP of 28.98. DJ LeMahieu is in New York. Are you okay with this price, or is it still too rich for you? Uh, per- personally, I think it's still um, a little too rich, but. Uh, I, I know we discussed him on like, second base and first base <laughs> first and second. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's pretty much someone who's not going to hurt you. Uh, definitely like the fact that he's going back to New York in that lineup, in that park, you can, you know, it's more than fair to expect, you know, another 20 home runs and a 300 average and, you know, bunch of counting stats. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a pick that's going to hurt you. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we've talked about LeMahieu so much. Already. Yeah, there's essentially, I'm trying to remember the, like, I, I can almost remember the numbers off the top of my head, but let's just say of all these home runs he started hitting in his career, 
like a really high percentage of them were to opposite field at New York because he's such a good hitter that he's able to take advantage of his surroundings and knew that short porch right field as a righty he's still able to take advantage of it and exploit it because he's just that good at hitting and that should continue so i understand it because of i think this format is really favorable to his adp because i personally have him i think as low as my number six or seven uh third baseman because i like i just at this position and that's why the adp for him is so high is because there's multiple positions involved so yeah we're gonna have to you know, just watch where that goes. But it's like, it's just a matter of what you want. You know, there's a high floor there. You, the multi-positional eligibility really carries his value, but we're talking about just third base tonight. And at just third base, there's a lot of guys I'd rather have ahead of him, including even number four, Nolan Arenado at an ADP of 34.14. What do you think about Nolan Arenado this year? There's a lot of people that are in, a lot of people that are out. There's a lot of questions. I feel like there's more questions. I think, are we creating more questions than there actually are for Nolan Arenado? I think we might be. I mean, there was still, despite him hitting only 253 last year, there was still a lot to like in his profile. And the guy played hurt, you know, he was clearly playing through injury. But I mean, despite that, uh, he still had a, just an elite contact rate, you know, low, I think, believe the lowest strikeout rate of his career. Yeah, 10% strikeout rate. Um, you know, the bat bip was 241. I think you're, you know, you're looking at, you're still looking at the same, you know, first, second round caliber hitter here. It's going in the third round. Yeah, I just don't know what to expect anymore because we all think he's going to be traded, but then why hasn't he? We all think he's hurt, but we haven't heard anything about it. Like he ended last year with a with an issue with his shoulder. I'm trying to remember the exact injury. Probably have it written down here. If you just give me a moment, he's uh, it was an AC joint. That's what it was. It was a uh, AC joint injury, and we've seen AC joints derail players of all sports. But obviously his wasn't terribly bad apparently compared to others. So he chose the rehab route. So he never had surgery to repair it. But if he stays in cores all year, which, again, that's kind of what everyone's assuming is not going to happen, that's why the ADP is falling. Everyone assumes the trade's happening, but it has yet to happen. And as we get closer to draft season and, like, you know, as more and more drafts happen, he's going to slowly creep up my board as well. Right now, he's – I have him a little lower than – I have him as my fifth third, uh, third baseman at this, at this moment because of the uncertainties. But maybe, again, I think a part of me is creating these uncertainties. And as well as the rest of the fantasy industry, you're seeing – these concerns kind of all pile in together and we have no real, I mean, we have reason for it, but maybe we're overthinking this one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, from these guys that we're looking at here in this range of third base, I mean, like I said, I mean, Arenado still to me, like a first or second round caliber bat. So, I mean, he's a perfect guy to pair with say you took like a Trey Turner or, or a Alberto Mondesi in the first, in the first or second round. I mean, these are perfect guys to pair with them. You know, maybe you yeah. went like pitcher Mondesi and then Arenado. It's like, whoa, first round pitcher. And then you get Mondesi and Arenado in those, you know, second and third. I mean, you're set up pretty nice. And it, he's kind of falling in line with this next guy, Alex Bregman, the fifth third baseman off the board at, with an ADP of 39.55. Was the cheating the problem? Like, is that why he was so good prior? I mean, the guy still has elite, bat, uh, elite plate discipline. So when a guy has such good plate discipline, in my opinion, it's hard for me to fade them. He's never struck out more than 15.5% in any of his last four seasons while while simultaneously walking 13.3% or more in three of those seasons. So what I'm getting at is that the plate discipline is legitimately elite, probably one of the best in the league. And he still has a Crawford boxes. He still pulls the ball plenty. I think had we had a regular season, there was a chance we would have saw him correct things. But man, I don't know. I know he I know he. Suffer. I know he struggled against breaking pitches, unlike before. The last time he struggled this bad against breaking pitches was his rookie season. So was and and again, it's just funny how the window worked out. His rookie season was before the cheating, and this season was after. So was it the cheating that helped him with breaking pitches? Because that's what they said they used him on most of the time, right? Most of the signals were on breaking balls. And I just don't know. I want to. I, I just have a hard time fading a guy with such elite play. But what are you doing with Alex Bregman? Then? Yeah, I don't really. I don't mind Alex Bregman where he's going either right now. I mean, I, I'm not really taking you know his stats against breaking pitches this year. Like I'm small not really putting too. Of that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're 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 looking at a really small sample within a small sample. So um, I, I'm not really too worried about it. Uh, he's still you know still a good contact hitter, and I think he's going to go back to you know. 30 home runs, uh, 280, 290 average. And then we'll see. I mean, with Springer, you know, gone, uh, we'll see who leads off. I mean, I think we expect uh, Altuve to lead off. I mean, could Bregman, you know, lead off? Who knows? But, um, yeah, I don't I don't mind Bregman at all here either where he's going. 
yeah, I, th- I think he's another another one prime for a bounce back. It's it's crazy because okay, you're you're assuming Arenado is going to bounce back. We're assuming Bregman's going to bounce back, but yet the guy who went pretty much in line with them last year in ADP, maybe a little behind them, fell for no reason in Anthony Rendon. The guy had a solid year. <laughs> He's going 42.55. I actually have Anthony Rendon ahead of them in, in my ranks because of the level of safety, because – He's just getting – he's familiar with the system now. You know, he gets to continue hitting behind David Fletcher and Mike Trout, two of the best on-base guys, and Fletcher mostly being a contact first guy. Regardless, Anthony Rendon's a guy I really like, and he's yet to do anything that suggests that he shouldn't be above these other two. Is it because the ceiling isn't as high for him? It could be. It could be, you know, the the ceiling. It could also be that, you know, he – hasn't played a, a full season you could you, you kind of know that he's going to miss you know 12 to 15 games the next guy up here is Raphael Devers seventh overall seventh overall yeah right the seventh third baseman off the board I always have my reservations with him for some reason but maybe you don't At, with an average draft position of 43.80 what are you thinking about Raphael Devers this year he's another one I mean I like all these third basemen here I mean third base is pretty deep at the top and uh, Devers going seventh here. I mean, we've seen him kind of turn it on as the season was going, similar to his 2019. We do know that, like, you know, he, he does swing a lot. So, I mean, he could be prone to, to you know, valleys like this, uh, the, these, like, streaks. Uh, it could be prone to, to those. But, I mean, he led the majors in 2019 in balls hit, you know, 100 miles per hour or more. So, yeah, I mean he's kind of the riskiest of this bunch, right? Cause I mean, the strikeout rate is it's looking like 2019 is kind of the outlier. He's been well over 20% each of the, the other three years. Um, so I don't know. I think he's probably more prone to streakiness. He's probably has a batting average that you can't trust. Right. But he's going to hit for power and he's in a good spot in that lineup for counting stats. I definitely don't see the eight steals coming back like at all. Uh, didn't even attempt to steal last year. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's fair that he's the last of this group, but I still think the there's very much a ton of upside here with Devers. Yeah, and I think he belongs with this group, but I think he's firmly behind them. And a lot of it for me has, I'm uh, like I'm a, I'm a snob about a couple things: my 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 microphones, my sound on a podcast, <laughs> and plate discipline. So with him. Not only did he chase a ton last year or show a willingness to go outside the zone, but this year he also did the same thing. He had an O swing that actually increased to 42.3%. That's like 10% above league average. And this is coming off a year that he already increased his willingness to chase the ball at the zone. But the difference was is his O contact rate declined 6.9 points to uh, 65%. Not terrible, but not what you want to see with a guy who's chasing and swinging as much as he is outside the zone. So when you're, if you're, if he's keeping those tendencies, of swinging outside the zone as much as he is while making less contact, that would explain why the strikeout rate has gone up. Now he did finish strong. He, st- I mean, he had what was it? Two. He hit 298 with seven home runs and a WRC plus of 137 uh, over his final 30 games. So the guy can still be a good hitter. I just am always apprehensive buying into guys with a willingness to swing outside the zone and depending on being good, con- making good contact on that on so many pitches as well. Because obviously with the contact rate coming down, it's going to bring the batting average um, floor a little lower and the strikeouts can remain a problem. So again, I think he's the less, I think he's the least solid of these other ones with a similar ceiling. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so no argument there. You know, it can be boring. We don't disagree often enough. And I was talking to people, (laughs) I was talking to people behind the scenes and disagreement is healthy. Disagreement is fun. And you and I tend to get along too often, although we are the we are the friendly faces of this podcast. I might need to bring Zach back soon so I can argue somebody with him because him and I seem to be the one that never agree. But George, that's because you're my right hand man. I think you just don't want to have conflict with anybody. That's all it is, right? <laughs> I mean, no, we've we've disagreed on some things, but I, I don't know. It's I not think often. We tend to. <laughs> I think it's because we tend to have a similar process, and with it, exactly, we tend to value similar attributes, which again great for us it's always fun to have you on my side with things but it sucks for the people that listening because people want conflict because conflict sells man we need that fire i don't know but we don't have it today so we can get back on track a guy who's <laughs> going as the eighth 
third baseman off the board. And I think this is going to change based on the signing of Springer. Because if you look at Twitter right now, because I multitask and I don't know how to stay focused, Twitter is ablaze assuming that Biggio is the one who's dropping down the lineup. This is why you need to follow my lineup takeaways on Twitter because I'm going to be all over this lineup all uh, spring training long along with everybody else. But I'm going to have a whole bunch of good data for you. But regardless, Biggio is the eighth third baseman off the board. Again, a lot of it, I think, with him is the multi-positional eligibility. Second base, third base in the outfield going 56.28. But do you move him down now, assuming that he moves down the lineup? I wasn't really in on Biggio anyways uh, at this this point. If you're going to... Right. Yeah. I, I'm not in on, on Biggio this year. I think if you're drafting someone with this, the, the multi-position eligibility helps for sure. Uh, uh, definitely helps, especially in like drafting whole leagues where you can't make pickups. And so having these multi-eligible guys um, is definitely a plus, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to play him, you're going to play him at second base. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, with the batting average floor that Biggio carries, I, I think, Nah, just I, I'd rather take. There's other second basemen I'd rather have, uh, and then especially here at third base. Um, no, I'm I'm just kind of out on on Biggio. Definitely much better in like, like an OBP leagues. OBP oh yeah, leagues, yeah, for sure. OBP leagues. This 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 ADP makes sense, and he might not, he might actually be like under drafted in OBP league because we know he's gonna get on base a ton. But this is we're talking five by five nine times out of 10 and he's a guy that you just can't take now that i mean before i was kind of warming up to the idea of it like i was okay not like sold on it but i can't now because if springer's there there's no certainties top. this is actually perfect timing that we're on biggio right now because it just came from jeff passan that uh spring it's official springer to the blue jays so there we go we talked and we already talked about we reacted instantly to it you know springer's going to top that lineup what happens to biggio is to be determined I'm like, I know it's like not common thought, but like, I know like what makes sense is him going down to the nine hole, but I really think Springer and him are going to be the one too. I think Bichette moves the three and everybody bumps down one. I, I know that's, I don't know why that's not being the common consensus, but in my opinion, I think that's what it's going to be. Maybe, like, I don't know. I, I just, it, it makes sense to me. Like, is it wrong to make sense to me? I, but don't get me wrong. Biggio going down to nine makes sense as well. But Biggio's discipline is way better than your typical nine hole. And his speed, it's not like you're having another leadoff. I mean, the idea is to have another leadoff guy. I get that. But man, I don't know. I have a hard time buying in to him moving down to nine. Am I being too optimistic? Do you like, is ninth that realistic? I don't know. I mean, I just that uh, you, don't, you don't walk that much at, from the nine hole. It's just not normal. Someone like that. If he's going to be set, if he's going to be on base, like, at a 375 clip and and you know be on base in front of george springer that's what that makes no sense to me now springer gets to actually those like the 30 home runs springer's gonna put up will help his rbi total immensely like it makes (laughs) no sense you have a guy who can also have like 350 plus obp in springer but he can also he also swats 35 home runs and he's going to a very favorable ballpark especially if they can't play in toronto guess where they're going back to buffalo probably yeah i don't know i I have a hard time seeing something like uh, Bichette moving off the two hole too. I don't know why Bichette. I think he hit three third last year, but we also saw Bichette end the year very, very uh, bad. So what if he doesn't pick it up in spring training? Will spring training matter? There's a lot to be determined. I think it's going to be interesting because I don't think anyone is sold in the four hole. I think Vlad can hit as high as four as as low as six. Teoscar can also, we saw Teoscar jump, jump up and down last year. I don't think that, I think the reason why I'm, I'm, more likely to see Bichette. I can see Bichette going into the three hole is because I don't think the Jays are even set on their three through five hitters right now. It seems like there's gonna be a lot of moving parts there. So why not secure your top three and let four through six figure figure itself out? That's where I'm at with the. I mean, that's that's what comes to my mind. I'm optimistic, but regardless, back to Biggio. I agree though. I think the price is a little too rich for me. A fun stat of him though, and I think we talked again. We've talked about him on other podcasts in terms of what's a like or what's a dislike, but he's 20 for 20 as a, in stolen bases in the majors. I know I've dropped that fun little stat before because stolen bases aren't all about speed. It's about, it's a skill set. And he obviously is very skilled at stealing bases. So I'm, that's a fun little tidbit. You know, you're getting stolen bases, but right now that's all, you know, you're getting. Cause if he moves to ninth, the runs go down, the RBIs go down, the home runs might go down because he has less opportunity to hit them. Cause with every, cause that's a lot of at bats to lose right there too. So that, that potential for compiling goes, away as well so i'm gonna knock him down my rankings a little bit not sure as to where i'm putting him yet but he definitely takes a little bit of a hit yeah quick uh just quickly on springer uh he was going in the back end of the uh fourth round so borderline fourth fifth round uh 
I, I think this signing definitely bumps him up he for sure. Be. Like you're not getting him in the fifth round ever, like again. But it, I don't understand why it would change when everyone knew he was going to be a Blue Jay or a Met anyway. It was almost like common knowledge. Why? Oh would no, that, it just happens, man. It, it, it once it, it happens, somebody gets when they officially right. get signed. You're right, but they it's move, they're going to move up. It's so stupid. like let's like Starling Marte's pick 47, 10 picks ahead of Springer. I'd rather have Marte like, for stolen bases, but yeah, but. I always argued, and there's a like there's a show we're gonna do about my stupid term Goldilocks. And Springer <laughs> was a thousand percent one. He still is going to be as long as his ADP doesn't go into the third round. But Springer was always a guy because of the built-in injury risk. Like the ADP always had the built-in injury risk. It always and he always had the ceiling to outproduce it. But you knew the floor was there. He's a guy that the ADP was never too high, never too low, but just right given his circumstances. And now he might go out of my Goldilocks territory. So I'm really upset about that. But I really like him and I've liked him. I've loved his price prior to this. And if he jumps up, yeah. if he jumps up a bunch, I'm not going to be very happy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. Another tangent, man. Third base. This is why third base takes so long because we're talking about like every other position. So next player up on third base, we're at the ninth third baseman off the board and Eugenio Suarez with an average draft position of 83.72. I've seen a lot of people defending him on Twitter. Really wondering why the discount, why he's going so low. And I think you and I are kind of similar in our thinking of him. So I'll let you go first as well. Yeah, I mean, he did hit 15 home runs, right? But he came with a 202 average. And it, I talked about Suarez a bit on our, you know, guys that we're avoiding in the top 100. And to me, that's it, he just looks like a, you know, all power guy. I mean, I had some concerns coming into 2020 because of, you know, the high strikeout rate, uh, the high pull rate. It just, it was a big red flag for me as far as like the batting average goes. I, I thought it could come crashing down and sure enough. Yeah. He hit 202 and the strikeout rate went up. The pull rate went up, but yeah, he did have uh you know, career high 14% barrel rate uh, did hit 15 home runs. But I mean, I, I really think he's, we're looking at like a 240 hitter uh, you know, with like 35 to 40 home runs, but I mean, I can get that 30 picks later in Max Muncy. And he gives me, yeah. Muncy gives me, you know, eligibility at first and second as well. Like, you know, I just, I, I don't think Suarez is giving you anything special here, you know, in, in at pick 82 um, that you can't get just a bit later at a much cheaper, a cheaper cost. I think the ceiling he offers might be higher because we've seen it before, but it's going to depend on if he makes some uh, improvements. Cause you mentioned the two Oh two batting average that did come with a two fourteen Babbitt. So if we're going to be fair, his career Babbitt is three ten. So sure. But that goes back to two Oh two to two forty. That makes sense that that Babbitt would help, you know, fix that. I'm sure. But he's had two straight seasons of a decline in strikeout rate. I mean, or maybe not too straight, but he's in the last two years, it's been 29% and 28.5%. So we know that's just bad. That's like why, what happened. Well, you have over those same two years, the swing strike rate has gone up while contact, zone contact, you name it, all contact rates have essentially declined as well in those two years. His whiff rate has gone up each of the two years. And he's a very, he has a very pull-heavy fly ball approach. So his bad bit won't be high because of that by nature. And you do that. If you look at his Woba with the shift, it was 64 points lower than his Woba without a shift on. Essentially, if he's going to pull as much as he is, teams are going to shift against him, and his his Woba and his other his overall production will lack outside of power. So I'm with you. If he actually focused and took like a Rowdy Telez change of let me just make more contact because the power will come in that ballpark, and he's just naturally strong, and he barrels the ball extremely well. You mentioned the barrel rate. If he makes the changes he needs in terms of making more contact again, then yeah, we're both going to be wrong on them, but we're seeing a trend at this point now. And the trend is not moving in a direction we like. So we're both out on Suarez at his cost right now, which again, sucks that we yeah. agree. Cause although we see the positives, <laughs> there's just, there's a lot like the, the, the trends. I always go, I speak to the trends because I'm trying not to look at just 2020, but when you see the trends happening in 2019, he finished strong, which helped that batting average. But do you forget the first half of 2019? It was kind of bad. Minus the, again, the power played the whole year, but he was not doing well until the second half of 2019, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't be also wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati trade Suarez. Yeah, well, and yeah, I, doubt that, I mean, leaving Great America Small Park is never a good thing for anyone, right? Like you gotta right. think. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and move on to number ten, Yoan Mancada, a guy that I think we both liked last year. Pick 86.83, and. I'm okay with it. I thought I was going to be like in more, but I realized there's just players around there. I tend to like more when I'm in drafts. So it's like, not that I'm out on Moncada. I just won't. I, I think it's like one of those 
I'll be a little bit in, a little bit out because 2019, he had the breakout. 2020, he reverted back to essentially identical numbers almost to his prior to his prior years. But he did have COVID and he mentioned not having the same energy levels to get out and go do things every day. And I take that seriously. He is only 25 years old. The team is getting getting better and you know more experience around him. I expect him to be better than he was in 2019 or 2020, but maybe 2019 is a little too high of expectations moving forward. I don't know. I think the, I think it's all there in terms of um, just potential. And that again, just being healthy should make things better for him. I, I'm actually, I'm all in on Moncada at this price. <laughs> I is. am. I'm, <laughs> I am all in on Moncada at in. this price. Okay. I think he... Would you rather is coming up? Hold on. We're going to, we're going to play this game, but go ahead. As you were, I'm going to pull up some I think he's going to bounce back, man. You you did mention, you know, having him having COVID and and he said himself that he just, you know, found it hard to to find, you know, to get have that energy to get up and play and uh I think that just that had a lot to do with with his season. We saw like he didn't run at all. And despite a 31% strikeout rate, so it might look on the surface that he reverted back to his uh, pre-2019 numbers on the surface. But if you look at his contact rates, I mean, he had a career high zone contact rate of uh, 86.8%, a career low swinging strike rate. The problem was he didn't swing. Yeah, that's right. I'm looking at my nose right now. (laughs) He needs to be more aggressive. You know, we saw in 2019, he was more aggressive. 47.3% swing rate, career high went back down to a 42.7% swing rate this year. I think uh, rejuvenized uh, Yoan Moncada, healthy Yoan Moncada comes in, and if he could just be just as aggressive as he was in 2019, I think we're looking at, you know, that kind of season potentially. Now, I don't buy him as a 300 hitter. He had a 406 BABIP that year, but uh, with the normalized BABIP and uh, if he can go back to being aggressive, yeah, I think we're looking at 25, 30 home runs and, uh, maybe 10 steals. So I, I'm I'm all in on Moncada at this price. I did forget about I'm looking at my notes now. I just, I read the first half and didn't get to the second half of, uh, he did also his first pitch swing rate. You mentioned him being less aggressive. His first pitch swing rate was also 8.5 points lower in 20, than in 2019. Yeah, he was just overall swinging less, but was that because he was tired? Was he just trying to be more conservative? Because again, he was just, it was a whole different game. You have to remember a lot of these players had in-game tape taken away from them. And I'm not sure if he was an in-game tape guy, but Yoan Moncada or Nick Castellanos. Oh man. I really like both of these guys at this range, uh, like a ton, but uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Moncada uh, just because I, I do think that those steals are going to come back. I think he's going to go back to running a bit. Moncada. And or... I do like the offense more. Moncada or Ketel Marte. They're close. Uh, so, they're they're five picks apart, so I'm picking somebody. Realistically, you'd have to make a choice with. Yeah, unless you're yeah, on no. the unless you're unless you're like back to back pick. Man, this is another one that I, I just like both of these guys. <laughs> I mean, oh, I got one more. Marte for you. really gonna tear at the heartstrings. Marte is safer, uh, you know. I, I buy, you know, he's that the batting average um, different position as well, second base. Yes, yeah, second base is the, is premium position. Um, <laughs> man, I kind of want to say Marte here, but I also worry about that offense over there too. I, I think just all around, Moncada has the highest ceiling here. And I, I, if I'm going to buy him as a bounce back, I'm going to buy him as, you know, putting up better counting stats. Um, we know Marte has the ability to steal. He just doesn't. Um, and I buy the power more for Moncada. I'm going to go with Moncada. Uh, tisk tisk. <laughs> I just can't, you know me, I'm a Marte guy. But uh, yeah, what about, I'll get two more names, three more names real quick. Rapid fire. That doesn't mean overthink it. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. going six picks ahead. <laughs> um, I said rapid fire. Go Moncada. <laughs> Moncada? Right, Moncada. What about Jordan Alvarez? Jordan. Jordan. I'd go with Jordan Alvarez. Oh, he's going after him. Um, so you, yeah. you still have to, to make that pick. And who's the last name? Oh, I, oh, oh, yeah. Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil or Johan Moncada? Oh, Moncada. Okay. Because they are going pretty much right on top of each other. And that transitions us to the number 11 third baseman in Jeff McNeil. 93.13 ADP. Multi-positional eligibility is a big reason probably why behind that. But people think there's this other level to McNeil that I'm not seeing. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he's a high four player. I think he's a guy you literally literally get him. You plug him in for 20 home runs, 300 batting average, and whatever the counting stats, stats might, might be. With If Springer is, in fact, not going to New York, that should help McNeil stay top of that lineup or have a potential to be there more so than before. Not necessarily that he was ever out on it, but 
I just think he is who he is, and that's it with McNeil. I don't know if there's this. Do you think there's this, this secondary level that people seem to be buying into for some reason with him, or are you kind of more in line with me as well on this one? No, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm more in line with you here, and you know, I I don't I don't see the steals coming back either. He's five for thirteen over the last two seasons. <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible terrible success rate uh, on the steals. So, uh, didn't have a stolen base last year. He got caught twice. Um, five steals in 2019. Got caught six times. So, uh, yeah, I think exactly like you said, you're probably getting a close to 20 home runs and, you know, 290 to 300 average is definitely possible. I also wonder, like you, you mentioned, where he hits in the lineup um, despite hitting 300 last year and playing in 52 games. I mean, he only scored 19 runs and had 23 RBI. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the lineup's definitely stronger with McCann and, and Lindor. So you like that. But, yeah, I mean, McNeil is just – He's someone that at at this cost, at this price, I mean, he's definitely like a team construction kind of guy. Like if I need batting average at this point, um, then I think he's just a, he's a fine pick. And he's another one of these guys with multi-positional eligibility uh, that, you know, definitely comes in handy in like draft and hold type leagues. Yeah, he is roster construction type of guy. I and mean, honestly, a lot of these guys are roster construction kind of should determine everybody in your uh should just determine everything like every pick you shouldn't just adp is a tool absolutely it's a tool not a rule i try to remind people that because people look at ranks and they're like well i like this guy more he fits my team better but this guy's ranked higher i don't care who the ranks are from i don't care if they're my ranks and i think i I, I take my ranks very serious but if you look at your team and you need something ignore the ranks get what fits your team better because what fits your team better is ultimately the better pick because you want to win your league not just take the best value with that said, you can make a case. Yeah, I mean, we, you can make a case for any of these guys on any team. It just depends on how you've built your your roster. Except for Kevin um, Vigio, because we don't. <laughs> there's, there's too much uncertainty right now with him. But yeah. the rest of these guys. Oh, and you had Suarez because we both. Okay, not any of these guys, but <laughs> I like to just make arguments about everybody. But we do have one more, and you mentioned him before. And Max Muncie, he's the number twelve guy, first, second, third base eligible. So again, that's kind of fueling the fire. But at ninety six point two six, I get it. I'm not a huge fan of his skill set, but again, I think a lot of it's that multi-positional eligibility, trying to look at it as just third base. I rather go somewhere else for my third baseman. I he got unlucky last year. He only hit 203, but oh sorry, I lied. He hit like 188, I think it was. Or sorry, uh, 192. It was 192. I, I'm yeah, his bad was 203. That's what it was. His his batting average was 192, but his bad was 203, which is 63 points below his career bad So like you know something's gotta give there. And the XBA was 235, which again isn't great, but still 43 points above his actual batting average. So we knew Max Muncy was due for a bounce back, but 235 is also a very realistic potentially potential outcome for the batting average for 35 home runs. You mentioned very similar profile in Eugenio Suarez. So if I'm looking at just third base, not factoring in that multi-positional eligibility, and I expect him to hit closer to 50 personally, I wouldn't want him at that price at just third base. But probably as, as my second baseman, I'd be fine with it. Even as my first baseman, I'd be fine with it. But third base itself, I like a lot more players behind him. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can get that for sure. Um yeah, he's <laughs> that's, that's all I kind of covered. You kind of, yeah, I mean, you pretty much covered it. You, I pretty you much know read my get... blurb for the draft kit, dude. Like, because <laughs> Muncie is so simple, it really was just some bad luck mixed with track record. And you know what you're gonna get, and he should hit in the middle of one of the best lineups in baseball. I mean, if you have nothing to add, that was the 12th guy. Do you want to go on to do you want to? I mean, I'm looking at a couple names I really want to bring up. So, if you want me to, I don't know if you want to talk about Alec Bohm or Matt Chapman or Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's such a such an interesting person for a lot of people. We could definitely talk about your thoughts on him regardless, but I know we kind of are also pushing our time here. So, but before we get to some of those names, we have a new sponsor of the podcast. This is fifth element. Fifth element is ultra high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are especially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum, high-milligram hemp to help you whenever and wherever you need. Whether it's after the gym or after work, get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com. And if you use Bases Loaded, you get 50% off. And yes, you heard that right, 50% off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code Bases Loaded today. Now we can go ahead and dive into those names. Yeah, yeah, sure. no, I mean, uh, another guy I really like, uh, 
uh, Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman's a 14th third baseman off mm-hmm. the board. He's another guy who I've been getting a lot of uh, in drafts right now. I think massive power, um, 18% barrel rate. He was playing through injury. Uh, so hopefully that uh, offseason uh, hip surgery kind of fixed things. Uh, comes into the season healthy. And uh, yeah, I mean, despite playing through that, he still yeah had 10 home runs and 152 plate appearances. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, another guy I'm all in on, Matt, Chap- Matt Chapman. I'm just worried about his strikeouts. The swinging strike rate was up to 15.2% after coming off two seasons below 10%. The contact rate fell just over 10 points to 67.4%. And the whiff rate jumped up almost 13 points. So I think a lot of that had to be, maybe the hip was affecting his swing because his launch angle was crazy increased. 24.1 degrees. This was 7.7 degrees higher than last year. And with that change in the, with that change in his launch angle came holes in the swing, I think. It makes sense. You know, if you're adding more loft to your swing, you're probably getting under more pitches. And that's kind of what we saw. His under percentage was 18% and his and his pop-up rate, or one of the, sorry, I have them all mixed up. I put in my notes, I put both the under percent and the under percent. So one of them, one of them is the, one of them is definitely not the other. I'm not sure which one right now, of course. Don't mind me. My point is, is there was stuff that's, <laughs> there was stuff that, that showed the, um he was getting under the ball too much, essentially. But uh regardless, it's just, it's it all goes back to that swing change but he was still able to be decent in terms of batting average wasn't terrible so i'm just curious to see what we get out of him post-surgery and which 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 launch angle comes back do we see him kind of going going for more power again or do we because because we saw you know the sweet spot rate go up the barrel rate go up we saw positive changes but at the expense of the batting average and this guy kind of goes back to the other two with muncie and suarez he has a very similar profile if some of these changes stay to those guys without the cost. I don't know. I'm yeah, all over the place. Yeah, exactly. The analysis was really <laughs> sharp until I screwed up like my, my own notes. That's always fun. Um, man, you're right. There are so many names. Alec Bohm. Uh, I just want to talk about him, I guess, real quick. Um, I don't know what to think about him, man. I think he's a solid, safe guy, kind of like a better version of Jeff McNeil, potentially. Maybe not the batting average, but the counting stats should be better type of thing. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the hit tool is very, is very much on point with that. I mean... I would rather have Bohm than McNeil. Oh, I agree. I haven't I haven't ranked that way, but what I'm saying is that like I just you know the only difference is is there's no track record with Bohm, and he had like a really high BABIP, a 410 BABIP last year, which carried him above that 300 that he put up. But I don't know, man. I think the hit tool solid. He's a college bat, came in kind of being known for his hit tool, so I think he could still hit close. To, he hit like at least I think he hit 280 with 25 bombs. Like that seems realistic. Chip in about five to seven steals. Yeah, I mean, he had a he had a 9.5% barrel rate despite a 53.2% ground ball rate. So, I mean, if he can just start lifting the ball more, if he can bring that ground ball rate down under 50%, I mean, he could definitely take off. Yeah, and then another guy, another young guy that came up last year, Brian Hayes, he's being like I think he's being overprojected by some man. Over his 24 games, he posted a triple slash of 376, 442, and 682 with a four with a 457 WOBA. But the dude crushed the ball, 55% hard hit rate, and obviously makes solid contact. His contact rate was elite, 96.1%. And we know the hit tools there because that's kind of what he was known for, a glove-first prospect and a solid hit tool. Could he take the next step? Absolutely. But people are projecting him to put up numbers that are beyond anything he's even shown capable of in the minors. So to suddenly come up against the majors, against the best competition he'll ever see or ever has seen, to suddenly break out and be this like guy who didn't put, do this in the minors – that's where I have a hard time with. He has a really good two-strike approach, a really safe profile, but not a guy that I am overly confident at all in terms of taking a next step in what would be, honestly, his first rookie, his true rookie campaign. Yeah, I mean, uh, talk about bad lineups, man. <laughs> the freaking Pirates. Yeah, that's 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 part of it. That's also <laughs> why pitch to him. But again, that division gets weaker in terms of pitching staff and in terms of other stuff. Maybe the Pirates are sneaky. I don't want to say it. That's also maybe i was gonna say maybe they're sneaky decent yeah, but yeah, yeah. i'm not. glad you caught yourself before you finished that uh, I'm, like, uh, like, I'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying to be nice man you know i'm trying to but i'm a marlins fan I've, I've suffered through it i get it now my team is halfway <laughs> decent my team is halfway decent a lot of young talent just to turn around and uh just to turn around and the mets get the best owner in baseball they have a payroll that feels unlimited um they the nationals are getting getting better around us as well it's just a division the braves are obviously competing and getting better as their team as their guys start to get into their primes and they get healthy 
there's just so much there. And then the Marlins kind of get screwed with having this young core coming up at the wrong time. So although I'm a Marlins fan, they have a lot of, a lot of exciting players to look, to look at and watch, especially coming up through the minors the next couple of seasons as well. There's just so much more in terms of uh, so much more going on in that division that's like, I'm, I'm just a sad fan. Don't mind me. Like I'm a happy yes. and sad fan. But at least the Pirates, like, if they actually tried, they could take that division because nobody else is trying in that division. So that's just a lot. That's just the ownership being cheap and not wanting to make a point. But the last guy I really wanted to bring up here was Chris Bryant. What are your thoughts on Chris Bryant? Do you think he's going to bounce back and be halfway decent and be the guy he was before? Or are you kind of just over him? I honestly have no idea what to think of Chris (laughs) Bryant. I think that if you are hoping for a comeback to his MVP type level, I I think you're going to be disappointed. That's for sure. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what to think of him. I I do think the price is fair. Like if I'm sitting there with an open third base spot and I'm coming up on pick, um, you know, in the one forties, I don't mind taking a shot on on Chris Bryant. I mean, but before 20, you know, before this season, despite him not being able to reach those levels. I mean, he was still, he's still been relatively safe. I mean, 31 home runs and 282 in 2019. So, I mean, if the health checks out, well, also, you know, he could also be traded, um, which might actually just be a good thing for him. No, I I don't mind his price uh, at all. Yeah, I, I mean, look at 2020 as a lost season for the guy. He's yeah. one of those guys between injuries and just not getting right. Uh, we just saw things that weren't in his character. The strikeout rate being 27.2%, the walk rate being a career low 8.2%. The Babbitt was just 264. The, um, I don't know, man. There's a lot. And he was never a really big stat cast guy. It's not like, oh, look at the stat cast numbers. Sure, there were some negative trends, but that could be chalked up to injury and being a bad year. He's never been a crazy great, like um, under the hood type of guy. Although after three straight seasons of, of 9.3 or better in terms of barrel rate, just 5.5% last year. So that's part of the issue too, because at least he was making better contact with not being like crazy good under the hood. So yeah, that rhymed. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anybody, I think what it was is for the last few years, people have held on to this hope and idea that he could be that 2016 MVP guy, but that should have never been your hope in the first place. I think a solid bounce back season is easily believable. It's just a matter of, and obtainable. It's just a matter of it puts it all together. And at his ADP, it's worth taking a shot on a team or two. Again, not a guy you want to universally buy into, unless unless you do, unless you do. I mean, I can't tell you not to. But he's a guy that I'd be more comfortable having a couple shares of compared to having universal. Shares. That's all. So we should end on a positive note. Running a little bit long. Let's give. Well, it's up to you. If you want to give one or two names, go for it. I was going to say one name we haven't discussed that's going a little later that we really like uh i'm pretty sure we both like austin (laughs) riley right oh my gosh yes okay there you go (laughs) austin riley for sure yeah he's going to uh, pick 220 uh braves have already said that you know he's going to go into the season as a third baseman so uh really no no worries there i know atlanta's been linked to some of the other third basemen on the uh trade market but no i mean I, i have no concerns there and and we saw riley really i mean what really helped last season was you know cutting down that strikeout rate uh, now, if he can do that and and also you know drop that ground ball rate because he did he did hit a little, uh, a little more ground balls, but no, I mean I, I in that lineup if he's hitting sixth in that lineup, I mean the guy's gonna drive in a ton of runs. Oh, I can't. I I want all the shares. I want all the smoke, as the kids say. Give me give me <laughs> this, give me all the smoke. And yeah, awesome, Riley. His average launch angle was actually down last year to thirteen point three degrees, but his standard deviated long angle the SD. LA it's basically kind of like the tightness of the swing improved so although his swing his swing path kind of came down the launch angle was still solid 13.3 degrees will get the job done but he was able to have a tighter swing kind of repeat it better the k rate we you mentioned he struck out less uh 7.6 points lower 23.3 percent which is actually about league average pretty solid strikeout rate he improved all of his o swing whiff rate and swing strike rates while improving his contact 9.3 points contact yeah. rate so austin riley made all these adjustments and you know prospect pedigree prospect what is it i'm trying to remember how sports has it prospect um like how they grow isn't always linear so he could like he's their former top prospect wasn't he or close to he's always been a guy that, that they thought highly of they didn't want to trade him for the real muto for real, real muto a couple years ago so yeah. maybe he finally came into his own and just got overshadowed by the fact that team was great and other young guys shined more so I think this could be the coming out party for him this year. I, I have I haven't pegged as a breakout personally. We didn't talk about breakouts per position yet, like we usually do. But he's a guy I like as a breakout this year. He's actually in my article that should be dropping 
next day or two. Right. Yeah. And Riley, again, another one of these guys, if he's going to hit 240, if he's, if he's going to hit 240 to 250 and give give you 30 plus home runs and drive in, you know, close to a hundred runs, there's really, I mean, why would you take, uh Suarez or a Muncie like you could take a pitcher there you could there's you know there's so many different ways you can go about constructing your roster but this is one of these guys that is going to provide similar stats going much later so yeah um definitely in on Riley and another guy I feel like is just an industry favorite is Evan Rios for the very same reason Evan Rios Evan Rios is going pretty late where is he going 327 over the last month and right now he has the inside I would think the inside uh I can't even think of the way to term it. He basically has a route to everyday playing time in terms of playing at third base. We've saw, like, again, another guy with a big power potential, increases launching angle to 14.5 degrees. The contact is worrisome. It's about league average, but he has, and he has some holes in that swing. But given the fact that he has great lineup protection around him and given the fact that he has shown, you know, some strides elsewhere, I think because he has such good barrel, he's able to barrel the ball so well that that quality of contact can can make up for the lack of i think and break even to close to a 250 batting average which he's still posted with just like a, like a low bab of this year as well so i think he's just gonna be a solid guy but a guy you can get late and a guy that i don't know as long as they don't sign justin turner has a path to just about everyday playing time maybe the problem is is you know i feel like the dodgers are just as willing to platoon him, platoon him as anyone and he is a lefty so at least he'll get the strong side but still like there's i think there's a lot of upside there a lot of potential compared to a guy like Eduardo Escobar or Kyle Seager, both of whom are going ahead of him. Guys like that, like I don't want any Ryan McMahon. I don't know why he continues to get drafted above him. Stuff like that. It's like I'll skip on all of them and just take my shot on Evan Rios, and I can wait on yeah. Evan Rios. Yeah, that's yeah, it. I'm a big, big uh, Rios guy too. I just had a rant. That's yeah. all. <laughs> and that's going to do it for third base. This was a lot of fun. Don't forget to check us out as we post more work. George has a fun little announcement coming up soon, I think, so we'll leave that. Uh, we won't mention it until it happens, but it sounds like George is going to be doing some work with somebody. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm over at Prospects Live now, so I'm working on stuff there as well. I have obviously the Roadballer stuff. You have the Fantrax stuff. We're keeping busy, man. I mean, it's that time of the year. Time to grind. Lineup takeaways coming. But yeah, enough about us shamelessly promoting. Don't forget to hit us with a five-star rating review on your way out if you would not mind. It would be very kind. And you can follow us on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino for George. I myself is at Mike underscore Curland. And we appreciate you listening as always. Season's coming. Pitchers and catchers are reporting soon. And we look forward to bringing you more podcasts. So enjoy and have a great night.